0: Welcome to Martial Wisdom. Here you can listen to conversations on all kinds of topics related to martial arts. Today's discussion is on some of Aikido's issues and possible solutions for them. Joining me in this conversation is Christopher Hine, Stephen Scott, and Robert Silas. Before we start, please consider supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Spirit Aikido Online program, which currently has more than 160 videos. Another option is to contribute any amount you like through the PayPal tip jar. Even small contributions are greatly appreciated. I hope you enjoy this episode. Now, on with the discussion. I'm really excited about this discussion with uh, Stephen Scott, Christopher Hine, and Robert Silas. Uh, this is going to be a great topic of kind of the, the, what, is, what are some of the issues with Aikido and how we can solve them. And I really want to focus this discussion on not so much venting and kind of complaining about all the problems of Aikido. We certainly need to address them. list them, but I really want to focus on some good ideas for how to solve these issues and and go forward. So uh, welcome everybody to the show. Um, Because I haven't had Christopher and and Stephen on before, uh, maybe we could do just a short uh, little bit of intro with each one of you, and then we'll we'll just get going on our topic. So Stephen, why don't you start out?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, Well, Thanks for having me. It's a great honour to be here to talk with you guys about this subject. Uh, I've been involved in martial arts for over 42 years, 43 years now. Started in judo when I was four, picked up karate when all my friends started it uh, when I was eight. Did that for about 16, 17 years. Gained a third dan in Shukokai karate. Then round about 1991, I think, I started Aikido. And I got completely hooked on that. I Loved the philosophy, loved the background of it, and loved how it's so different. And I've been enthusiastic about it, training diligently ever since. And it's an important part of my life. And it's, it's, I believe it's a martial art. It's got a lot to offer.
0: Great, thank you, Christopher.
1: Hi, I'm Christopher Hine, and I uh, have been doing
2: Aikido since the nineteen nineties. Done martial arts my whole life. Um, I got a shodan in in Aikido in. Um, the early 2000s, and uh, I tried to apply what I had learned in Aikido uh, in a, in a real-life situation, and it didn't work out for me. So I spent a bunch of time uh, exploring mixed martial arts and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and, and other martial arts in order to kind of figure those things out. And, and through that process, I went through a stage of thinking Aikido didn't work at all, and then reassessing what I thought Aikido was really for, and then have spent uh, the last uh 15 years um working really dedicated on um solving the syllabus for myself and understanding what it was and finding ways to train the syllabus of aikido in a way that i think is practical and pragmatic
0: excellent robert do you I mean, want to uh, say a few words i know we had a, a recent uh, interview but maybe you could sum up just a little bit
3: sure yeah for for uh talk with uh, with with the other gentleman here so um I've been interested in Aikido since I was 12. I've been practicing, uh, you know, pretty uh, rigorous martial arts, Judo and Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, Gracie Jiu Jitsu uh, for, you know, going on 25 years or something like that. Uh, but I also, I never got into Aikido, although that was, you know, I, I told you in our, in our other interview, the uh, Aikido and the dynamic sphere, that 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 book is just awe inspiring, just, just the, Illustrations alone can really pull you in uh, and, and give you uh, hopes into what the possibilities are. So I've always been drawn to that. But I I trained in Daitaru Raiki Jiu Jitsu uh, pretty exclusively uh, for until I got my, my Shodan. And then I ended up traveling uh, with my company. I ran a study group in Atlanta for about four years, eventually getting uh, promoted to Nidan through. Um, through the Takuma Kai, but through uh, our local organization uh, called the Kawabe Kai, which was my teacher's uh, homage to his teacher out of Osaka. But um, I, I trained as a guest in uh, you know a specific Aikido dojo where I shared the space for my daitaru uh for a little over a year, and I've trained uh, off and on in different Aikido um, schools just as a guest. So I, I don't have that tenure in Aikido as you guys do, but I've. I've I've been involved in it and I have, you know, I had my own questions and thoughts about, not necessarily validity and, and uh, capability. Um, you know, we'll talk a lot about it, but if, if posture and angle and and things like that are combined and, and a technique is true, then it's true. It's just where is it being applied and do we feel comfortable uh, with our own posture and balance? But, um, but yeah, I've definitely been in grappling, um, grappling arts through and through. Uh, and I, I really, my my purpose is developing the ike the flow, some of the techniques from the Aikido world into the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu world. So I'm, I'm mm. kind of going backwards. I'm trying to prove its validity and share share the Aikido piece of it with, with other practitioners.
0: Cool. Yeah, that's great. Um, I, I always felt that, and I know we talked a little bit about this on our show, but I always felt that... Daito-ru, judo, sumo, Aikido are very closely related. Uh, jiu-jitsu, very, very closely related in almost all of their fundamental concepts. And so I I don't I personally don't see those as tremendously different arts. I know a lot of people do, you know, the different names and franchises and what have you, but but really when you get down to what they are, they're very they have more similarities than than differences, I think. Um All right. Well, let's get to it. Uh, Where we wanted to start with this, and and I posed this to these gentlemen before the show, uh, was to kind of put down a list of some of their top, what they see are issues with the art itself. And as I thought about this, really, I see that the questions that we have about questioning, what are the issues with our martial art? I think almost every other martial art out there has got their own questions about what are we doing? Are we doing things right? Are we doing things wrong? What could be we be doing better? How can we improve? Um, and how how can we uh, be stewards of our art going into the future and making sure that it stays relevant and it and it it goes with the times as opposed to becoming like an antique or a, or like a museum piece of, of a past that it, that is not relevant anymore. Um, so I'm not sure who would like to start, but, uh, you know, I've got a list of my own issues. I would like to let you gentlemen go first. So, um, how about Stephen? Stephen, I want, I will say this, you put out some great videos recently about some of the issues you see with, with the Aikido world. And these are really great. I will post links to them in the, the show notes for this page. Cause everybody really should, to, should listen to them, but I'll, I'll, uh, let you put some of your first thoughts together and let's, let's talk about the issues. Let's put them on the table.
1: Thank you guys, and absolutely true to form, someone just knocked on my door and the dogs are barking. (laughs) So, uh, perfect timing. Uh, Yes, it's one of the issues that I think that we all share, and I think you have quite rightly touched upon, is that all martial arts share these common problems in this day and age, especially Mm -hmm. in this day and age. Uh, We live in a world where there is an increasing... Uh, popularity in martial arts but not just in martial arts for its traditional aspects for example when i was growing up in in the early 70s uh boy, thank you i know i don't look that old uh, <laughs> but um, when i was growing Handsome up in young the early, yeah absolutely uh, when i was growing up in the early 70s late 80s and living in scotland everyone knew glasgow was a tough city back then uh, you, you, you know i would begin up there at times and it was always one of those things that you should learn you should learn to defend yourself. You, you know, it's, it's a hard existence out there. It's a dangerous place. And things like karate and judo, that will stand you in good stead on the streets if anything happened to you. Now, maybe it would, maybe it wouldn't have even back then. Nowadays, it's a very different place and we have a very different mindset on who and what we're going to meet whenever we encounter anything. And a lot of what's happening within the martial arts world is all, all appears to be about what is going to protect you on the streets? Mm-hmm. Now, if we get right down to the nitty gritty, in most countries in the world, what's going to protect you on the streets is a firearm, because the chances are that's what you're going to come across. And if you live in the UK, for example, i people comment this on my posts. I can't walk about the street with a gun. It's just not going to happen. I can't even walk about the street with a knife, technically in the UK, unless it's about that long and it's a fold away. So it's... How we across the world perceive martial arts and perceive threat, which is where I'm going with this, is very, very different. And in modern times, it all seems to be about how effective this is going to be. Now, we also have to remember that, I, I, I hate the term martial arts, because it, it's, a, it's a generalization of two different words that we in the West assume mean one thing, when really it's, when we look at the term Budo, from the traditional Japanese aspect, it means something completely different from martial art when you break it right down. Mm-hmm. And what I would like to see with the way martial arts develop, particularly something like Aikido, is that all aspects of what it's supposed to be for is examined. So we have the traditional art, they have the traditional aspect of it, we have the physical aspect of it where some people do it to get fit some people come for community some people come for friendship some people come to learn to defend themselves and then there are others who want to take it and to be able to apply it in a direct basis and I've I've had people come in who are good mixed martial artists and want to learn Aikido and the first thing I ask them is why because the environment that they are hoping to use this in is not the best environment for this type of martial art, what I tell them we can do is we can work on body movement, timing, uh, their ability to, uh, you know, use rotational movements, sensitivity drills, particularly like Robert was just talking about there, where you, you can take all that type of stuff and translate it back into wrestling movements and some of the groundwork techniques in judo and BJJ and all that. But when it comes to actually applying some of the more finely tuned, wrist locks, shoulder locks, which I believe are banned in MMA anyway, I'm not sure, I don't know enough about it. But that type of thing is very difficult to actually work on in the basis of an MMA ring. So it's, it, it's making sure that people understand what uh, they are expecting, making sure that they understand what they can expect to receive when they come into training. And that's something that we in the IQ community have to put out there. We need to be able to be honest about our own skill level and about what we put out, what we claim to be putting out to others. And whether it's traditional training, more modernist training, combination training or mixed martial arts, it doesn't matter how we train so much as long as we are honest about about what we are putting out there. And I think that's one of the most important things, because then that way there is no misconception. Someone cannot turn up to a dojo and expect to do some hard, solid training. They may have investigated Aikido from a Yoshinkan perspective and looked at some of the early pre-war stuff. And they could have seen this looks quite hard and fast and firm and whatever. And then they go to another club that's practicing something softer. And it's not what they're expecting. The expectation has to be there, and that requires honesty from the instructors. And that's something that I find from my own experience as well, having visited other clubs, is very often missing. And that takes us into a whole different perspective of not just honesty and what we put out to others, but honesty and what we put out to our students. And that will bring me on to something that I want to talk about later, which is about the kind of the very easy progression you get in some dojo with very little effort.
0: Okay, the one, of you, the other two, of you had something you like to add to that, address that.
1: I'll pass to
3: the
2: third since I'm I'm not the traditional ITO guy in the room.
0: Fair enough, Christopher.
2: Yeah, so I think a lot of the things um, that were just said right now are are right that it, we're we're disingenuous. I think a lot of times, and I think that really reads um, to the world right now. And I think there was a time when what we did in Aikido was kind of shrouded in mystery because um, it was hard, you know, when I started Aikido in the 90s to get a, a video of Daito to you or a video of this sensei or that sensei it was a hard thing to come across, you know. And now anyone can YouTube whatever they want and they can see stuff instantly. And we also have regular competitions where if you want to see how unarmed martial arts works one-on-one, you can, you can click and watch thousands of hours of that if you want to watch it. And you can listen to people who do that, talk about it. So um, the world's very aware of, of what's going on as far as um, what we previously thought was the world of martial arts. And I think what we previously thought was the world of martial arts was uh, unarmed one-on-one fighting. And I think we're, we're inundated with that now. And there are all kinds of experts on it. And I think Aikido offers something other than that. And I think as Aikido practitioners, we should be capitalizing upon that other thing instead of trying to say that we are experts at something that we're not experts in and and that now you can easily find experts in. So if you want to know about unarmed one-on-one fighting, there are all kinds of experts who have done it and you can watch their fight reels and and see all about that. But there's a lot more to conflict that's not fighting one-on-one unarmed. And I think Aikido talks a lot about that. And I think that's where we should be putting our energies right now.
0: Sure. I think, you know, and this, actually, you guys both landed right on my the first issue that popped into my head and to to condense it down, really, it, it comes to me as an identity crisis. Like Aikido really doesn't know what it is. And you will go from one practitioner to the next and ask them, well, what is Aikido to you? They may have an answer, but it won't match the next one or two or five or 10 Aikido practitioners. It'll be different. To people looking from the outside, that appears to have a lack of clarity. Like there's no firm answer. And and when I wrote down in my my solutions list, it's like, and I don't think there ever will be a single answer. There will not, we cannot franchise like McDonald's and have Aikido be the same. You go into one dojo versus another, that will always be different. So, whatever solution we have is going to have to include that part. And I do like uh, Stephen's point about the clarity of being absolutely clear about what it is your dojo is doing. Um, and, and and that's going to be something that helps any business try to appeal to a customer. So a customer will know, yes, I want to do business with these people. I want their service or I want their product. And, and, and the, the clearer you are, the better off you're going to have better off your, your operations going to be your business or your dojo or what have you. I think that, that, that part of the identity crisis is also that, Aikido has, uh, there's a portion of Aikido that has drifted away from being a martial art at all. That is a huge, just elephant in the room. And unfortunately it's at odds with those of us who do want our Aikido to be a martial art. And, you know, I'm sad that it's, it seems to be kind of a battle between factions, but I don't see that that is ever going to stop. And the only thing, really each portion of people that want their Aikido to be more of a, spiritual meditative practice versus or whatever it is and an actual practical martial art i don't i don't see that there's necessarily needs to be a bridge between those two really the only stress is they use the same name they use haikido to describe both and that's well, gonna,
3: i want to i want to not not necessarily challenge that comment but i will go back do. to what steven was saying i i agree that that clarity you know yoshinkan someone watches that and then they walk in and it's key society Again, of course, we're throwing names out. I mean, people have their, the reasons that they're wanting to train. I don't think it's necessarily a crisis of identity from Aikido or, or any other art, you know, for that matter. Um, it's more of a personal preference of, of a journey of the martial artist. Sorry, Stephen. I know you don't like that word, <laughs> uh, but, but the journey of someone that is searching. And I'll give an example. Outside of Aikido, even in the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu community, that clarity is important. So what I'm saying is, yes, you need to, you need to specify what your school does. Uh, some people will come to our current uh, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu Academy that I, that I train at, and maybe they're looking for, uh, they want to be in every tournament. They just want competition training. They want to learn the barambolo right off the bat. We don't do that. You know, we, we do compete, but Gracie Jiu-Jitsu is very self-defense oriented. Every class is going to start with choke defense, wrist grabs, Before we go to the ground, right? Which is what everyone thinks, but we we do publish that. We we publicize that on the website. When people come in, we always want to ask what their interest is. Um, You know, so there it's not that there's an identity crisis with the jujitsu community. They're just different facets, right? So, Key Society, you know, maybe it caters to the older generation that really wants to have this peaceful feeling, that community with others. And learn how to move their body and, and stay stronger. There is a there's a piece to that, um, but if that's what if somebody's searching for that physical, you know, nonstop dropping um, hard pressure from Yoshinkan, and they walk into a school and it's three weeks into it and they keep they have to ask the instructor, when are we going to do the hard stuff? Oh, we don't do that here. Then that's misleading. And I agree wholeheartedly that uh, that there needs to be clarity in the different. Um, direction that the schools may have and there's plenty of hard schools out there it's not that aikido in general you know ha- it does have a bad rap but it doesn't mean that there aren't schools like chris steven and, and yourself that have uh, you know wonderful programs that challenge you're still true to aikido but you just don't have that stigma where you decide not to open the box
1: to try something a little harder
0: yeah that's good anybody have anything to add to
3: that
1: yeah, absolutely. I agree with everything that's been said. And it's one of the things that I always encourage and things I encourage any of my junior instructors, I call them junior instructors, but you know, to be honest, they're probably better than me. Um, uh, one of the things I like to encourage my instructors to do is whenever you get a student, and this is something I've done my entire martial arts teaching life, is always work to tailor the training to what they want and what they need. And that way everyone gets that one-on-one feeling. One of the other things that I try and do is I always restrict class numbers. And I've, I've been to many, many courses over the years and I've met people who have classes what, that have hundreds of students in them every week. Now I know for a fact that, and I'm not decrying that, it's not for me because I prefer to take a personal hands-on approach with every student. I would rather know every student's name and how to deal with them than have hundreds of guys and just show them the, the lip service that's required. And I think that's another aspect of Aikido that's missing. or flawed is that Aikido became very popular, I think, very quickly. Everyone knew about karate and judo and kung fu and everything like that. Then all of a sudden Aikido came on the market and there was just this massive spring up of clubs. Now I know for a fact when I lived, there was myself and maybe one other instructor and that's within about a 60 mile radius. Then within a two year period, there were about 21 clubs appeared and this would have been in the late, no, about the early 2000s, late nineties, early 2000s, which might correspond with a certain person and his appearance in certain films, but I don't want to talk about him. And um, this popularity, certainly in the UK just seemed to explode it. And that was fine. I, I don't mind to say I keep my club small. I don't want to work on these big numbers because I prefer to do personalized training dedicated for each one. Now, what this meant was, was that I had people coming into my clubs looking to train with us, waiting until there was a space. And then they would show me what they've been showing. And what I saw was paint by numbers Aikido. Mm-hmm. And what became apparent is that people who had been doing other martial arts to capitalize on the sudden popularity of something, because I don't know if it was, I don't know. I don't want to use the term Aikido was sexy. I don't think Aikido's ever been sexy, but you know what I mean? In that term, it was something that became new and something different to do. Uh, I think as you quite rightly hit the head on there earlier, Tristan, is that um, all of a sudden these Aikido dojo popped up. Now, I had never heard of any of these guys and what they were teaching was paint by numbers Aikido, almost as though maybe gone to a course bought a book followed the pages in the book followed the transmission of photographs in the book and were translating this to students
0: i think what Uh, you're talking about is is what many martial arts have had happen which is they suffer from explosive success and it 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 actually winds up being critical to their future and not productive because they can't follow through on delivering what the 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 new wave of this big interest suddenly wants
1: Absolutely. And what we were then getting was people who had some martial arts knowledge. Trying to translate that into something else without putting the time into learning it. And that then became detrimental. Now, I know some of these people have then gone on and trained up their own students. And I know their own students are now higher grades than me. And um, they still run clubs, but they're still producing the same. I I even want to use the term uh, pedestrian level Aikido, and it doesn't reflect the art, it doesn't reflect the philosophy, it doesn't respect, it doesn't reflect or respect the techniques of irime, irime tenkan, anything like that. It, it's the things that make Aikido quite unique as a martial art. Mm. And all it does is, it's, that's the type of thing that, unfortunately, there's no control over. And that brings me to one of the other things that, that I would like to see, I would like to see more control over not, I don't want to use the term fake martial arts because what they're teaching is not a fake martial art because it technically is martial art. It's just not proper what it's supposed to be. And uh, I would like to see more of a crackdown on that, but I don't know how that's possible. You, you, you know, if someone goes out and pretends to be a, a gas boiler fitter and he's not... They can be done for it. They can be charged for it. They can have serious implications. But anyone can set themselves up as a martial arts instructor. And short of losing all their students, there is basically no comeback or no impact on them if what they teach is poor, other than the fact that they draw the art they're doing into disrepute.
0: Anyone? It does strike me, the idea of control, though, I mean, if we look at it in terms of an Aikido principle, you really can only control yourself. The idea that, you can somehow control other people or how other people run their dojos i agree with you I, I think that that is an issue The quality basically standard quality control is is a problem i think that the 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 image of what people expect and i understood that c uh, lot went through something like this in the 80s where they had this huge explosion of popularity mm-hmm. it brought a lot of uh people in from other arts. And the word that I got was it kind of watered down the art. They had almost the same problem. A lot of charlatan instructors. And what emerged from them was rather than trying to control it, which they really couldn't either, they're in the same dilemma that that Aikido tends to be, is they just sort of realized like there are going to be real actual high quality Lot instructors. And then those that are not, and the the images, if you want to find Lot, go find a real instructor who is high quality, like just create the image and the expectation in people that are looking to see lot to say, here's the lay of the land, beware of, of the, the, the fakes and the posers and the, you know, and eventually it, it kind of works itself out. You're never going to flush bad instructors out or bad dojos out entirely. Uh, but just to make people aware of them. And I think that that's going to be a, like an education point, uh, you know, and, and battling it out inside I think is going to be like a, a no-go but uh, you know why not just admit that yeah there's and I think anybody go, going into martial arts especially if it's asked me about like you know I want to take up martial arts what do you recommend and my, my first thing is find a good instructor at, that's running a good school like and be diligent about it don't just walk into any place that's offering training and sign up because you could get anything from, you know, if you compare it to restaurants, you get anything from a high-quality steak to dog food, you know, and it's not all the same. So don't expect it to be the same. Um, you know, I, I think that's uh, there's only so much we can do on the quality control issue. Um, you know, and, and sadly, you're right. Anybody can kind of hang up a shingle and uh, and say that that what they're doing is is aikido or, or any art really.
1: So perhaps then education of people is what's most important Is right. making sure that when people do want to look for a martial art, and again, I'm not quite sure how you could do this mm-hmm. is to ensure that well, people have the savvy to make sure that what they're looking for and what they're trying to get is genuine mm-hmm. as opposed to what looks good. Flashy, you know, who's got sure. the best YouTube site, who's got the best website, mm-hmm. you know, and unfortunately I think that's where a lot of it falls down again, is that you can be a great business manager, but a mediocre, martial arts instructor but your website looks fabulous mm-hmm. you know so it's sure. yeah
0: any comments christopher or robert
3: i was going to just know, like, go ahead no, no i was just going to quickly say that you know krav maga has recently undergone that explosion you guys were talking about yep. i'm sure when it started uh there were some people with some real world experience that were that were training in and, and some some facilities from what i've gathered have become more like you know, Billy Blank's Taibo Mm -hmm. rather than Krav Maga, but, um, but, and it can happen with anything, but interesting points. Sorry. Go ahead,
2: Chris. I think, you know, uh, I've been around martial arts my entire life and, and it depends on the decade, but, you know, you see jujitsu being popular, judo being popular, Kung Fu being popular, karate being popular, um, ninjutsu being popular, Aikido being popular, UFC being popular, um, you know, so you see these these things and and if we as martial artists are always trying to chase whatever the hot thing is that people want to go to, then we're always going to be shifting our programs around and it's going it, to, it's like Stephen said, you know, they went from two schools in a 60 mile radius to uh, 21 schools, you know, and, and now everyone's offering crap because um it, no one knows what they're doing. They just want to make money on it. And so yeah. as long as we're stuck on this idea of, you know, how do we profit off of what we're doing, I think we're going to have a really hard time figuring out what our system actually does. And and when we can kind of let that go and quit worrying about if we're going to make a profit or not. Now I understand uh, it's difficult, especially if you're a full time instructor. I'm a full time instructor and it would be great if there were Steven Skull movies that made thousands of people come in my door. But um, as it is, I, I want my art to be as good as it can be, and I want people to come in here and understand clearly what it is I'm offering them. And if I'm not offering what it is they want, then they feel comfortable saying, "Oh, this is not what I want," and that's cool. They can go back and do whatever they want. But I think we really need to quit trying to market to people, and we need to work on what we are internally.
0: I think that's a great point. In fact, you know, I I, I think what you struck on is a is a. A popular thing, and I and I've seen many instructors struggle with this, where they're trying to chase fats And one of the last, one of the most recent ones I've seen is having like lightsaber classes in their <laughs> dojo. Uh, you know, turning kendo into like a, a like a Star Wars fan kind of thing. An Aikido,
3: is... and Aikido dojo.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, now, there's nothing wrong with entertaining people, uh, just as there's nothing wrong with running a daycare, but having those be quote-unquote martial art training to me that's where the what they promise and then what they deliver is going to be different and and that's i i think the rather than chasing trends i think there's there's two issues one no a martial art shouldn't chase trends it should try to have staying power and that is to be relevant as as time goes on and as times shift and change and um but with a mind of preserving I say preserving the art, but, but l- growing the art, because if you count as a martial art, like any military technology, there's a reason why we're not, the air force is not flying Fokker triplanes around anymore. Like that, that technology has, has, we've moved on from that. And I think, uh, you know, hand-to-hand combat hasn't shifted as much as military aviation, but there are things that become relevant. And if anything, martial arts, from my observation, the, as they go through time, they become more and more specialized. They, they wind up having holes in it. And that actually comes to my second issue. And I think this is probably the, one of the biggest ones of Aikido is that Aikido is not a complete art. If you were looking to Aikido to, to be a comprehensive art to, for your own self-protection, self-defense, almost every instructor I've ever met, including myself would say, what most people identify today as Aikido is not complete enough for you to use it for self-defense. And to me, that also explains why so many Aikidoka have had trouble applying Aikido in a self-defense realm because it found one of the holes. Now, there have been successes. People have said, I've used this and it has worked. It's not like it's, it's a complete fabrication, but there are enough holes that any layperson shopping around for a martial art would say, is this comprehensive enough for me to go to do this or are they just going to give me one small subset of skills that I now have to go somewhere else to get another set and somewhere else yet again, to get another set and assemble this all myself. And again, Aikido is not the only art that has this problem. Many of them do and are are trying to fix it. Uh, I've heard that there's a number of karate people that are trying to do that too. Uh, But the idea that Aikido is, is not a complete art. Is an issue, and I think it's one that that is a part of the image, but it's also part of the the, the nuts and bolts of what we deliver. What would you guys say to that?
2: I think um, I think the issue is actually thinking that there can be a complete martial art. I don't think the animal exists, um, and and I think we we as a group, uh, as a as a cultural idea, we have summed down what we think complete could be, and and that's incorrect. You know so. Thousands of people practice boxing all the time. Very popular. Lots of people will tell you it's very effective and great. It is a terribly limited set of skills. It's six punches, a few defenses, some footwork. Um, it is a tiny, tiny skill set. Now it's a skill set that's really specialized and good. And I think the more we specialize on an area, the better we get at it, right? Um, if you look at you know modern sport jujitsu, the emphasis is on ground grappling. And so it's a very tiny set of skills. Ground grappling is a tiny set of skills. Now, as a culture, we've decided that unarmed one-on-one fighting is is all of martial arts. And so we 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 do say now, well, you could have a complete martial art as long as you could box and you could wrestle and maybe maybe some weapon stuff or something might be good. Like, and we we say, oh, that's complete. But you can't have a complete martial art because a complete martial art would include learning tactical driving and. Techniques of espionage. And I mean, just, you know, it gets insane when you start looking at all the stuff that could be included in martial arts. And hey, the ninjutsu if a martial crowd art-
3: just got happy, Chris. The ninjutsu crowd just got happy with your comment. Yeah,
2: yeah, I know. And see, and that's another thing, you know, like when we look at this and, and our cultural look at things, you know, people are saying now, like, oh, ninjutsu is no good. Well, it's great if you want to sneak around and assassinate people with poison, but it, it, you're not going to fight in a ring with it, right? And when you start thinking you're going to fight in a ring with it and you go, oh, no, ninjutsu is no good only no good for fighting in a ring, I agree. But for sneaking around and camouflaging and stuff, I mean, there's there's few things a, a civilian's gonna do to get to go to learn those kinds of skills. And so I think we need to understand what our specializations are and get good at our specializations instead of trying to be everything to everyone.
1: Yeah, I agree completely with that, Christopher. It's um, That's that, what people's perception of what they think that perfect martial art is going to be. Everyone wants to get into the martial arts at some point because they want to learn some skills to defend themselves. And particularly now with the popularization of sport martial art, uh, what's seen as now effective is something that will function within a set given time, within a set set of rules with something there. Now, I I draw a lot of angry stares. I've got a great deal of respect for MMA. These guys are incredible shape. They've got some good skills there. Some of them have excellent skills, but ultimately it's, it's still a sport. If, if it's got the three R's, rounds, rules, and referees, then it's a sport. It doesn't matter if it's MMA or lawn bowls. It's a sport. It's, it's got that round element to it. It's a very physical sport, and most of the guys doing it would knock me up and down my street, but that's not the point. People's perception of it is, I feel a lot of times nowadays, unless it's going to be effective in that MMA environment, it's not effective. So therefore it's rubbish, it's not going to work. But trying to translate that into what's an effective system that's going to protect your life is something completely different. And you hit the nail on the head there without the use of de-escalation techniques, as you say, tactical capability, threat recognition, all of this kind of thing. You could be the best ring MMA. In fact, I've seen this in back in the day, a fellow who was on the Scottish karate team who was a medalist, got into a fight in a pub and didn't know he was in the fight until someone put a glass over his head, you know, because he, he, his, his attention just wasn't on the fact that there was a threat recognition going on there. It didn't kick in. So these are the life-saving skills that kick into place. And this is one of the things where I think Aikido can help fill that void, just like Tristan was talking about, because it's, in Aikido, we're always taught to take that moment, take that breath, take that step back and, and get, diagnose what type of engagement you're going to get yourself in. And that's one of the primary skills that I teach people for self-defense, is if you don't just don't be there, that's the best defense don't get involved if you can help it. If you've no other option, look for help, get the hell out, You, you know, don't try and engage until you know there's no other option. And it's, but that's a whole different conversation. That's something where we're now talking about applying people's perception of this martial arts skill into a real world scenario. And unfortunately, you can train your entire life, but without having that threat recognition and that awareness, you know, your your Ma'ai, your Zanshin training, where you just try and keep your awareness open when you're out and about nobody's going to prepare you in any martial arts situation for someone hitting you over the head with a baseball bat from behind if you're not looking out for it it's just not going to happen and this is where the public perception people's perception of come into training of what they think is going to be an effective martial art that's one of the biggest blockers towards martial arts like aikido and things like this actually being recognized as having any usable uh, skills in it and very often it's not about the, the locks, the throws, you know, you can do the best Nag in the world and it looks great in a demonstration, but uh, and it's not about how you appear, it's the other skills, it's the deeper skills that you get from the traditional martial mm. arts. Because if all you're taught to do is fight, then you only have one thought process. But if you're taught to engage with all the other skills that are involved in a traditional martial arts scenario, or even just coming into a dojo, That's the things that you learn. And as you quite rightly put, we cannot fill these gaps. Aikido's great on the ground, as long as you're both sitting in a very polite Japanese tea house on your knees and someone tries to stab you with a tanto in a very over-exaggerated manner. But (laughs) other than that, your groundwork's really going to suffer. You need to go and do some BJJ or something or some some wrestling. I also teach Gleema, which is Scandinavian wrestling. And hardly anybody knows of this, but already it's getting a bad stick from the MMA crowd. saying it's not real it doesn't exist it doesn't matter what we do because it doesn't fit their perception they're going to decry it so it's it's making sure that when we have those holes as i said earlier we're honest about them and we don't have any misconceptions about it
3: i have a a thought on that stephen and i'll ask this question but i have a a follow-up comment to one thing that you said but just take a percentile of your students or if you wanted to take a stab globally what percentage of students that search out Aikido or Jiu Jitsu or or anything, what percentage do you think are wanting to train so they can prepare themselves for a fight, real imminent self-defense in the future versus they just feel that they wanna train something and they enjoy it?
1: That's a fabulous question because I think Aikido is probably one of the higher percentages of that in comparison to other martial arts. And I would say, Wow. Um, uh, probably about 80, 90%. Uh, sorry, my wife just asked me a question. Was, if you can give me a second, guys, can I just go silent for a minute? Sorry, we've got a medical emergency. Sure,
0: sure.
3: Well, and
0: I think what I'll jump in with is, is <clears throat> kind of my thought in response to, to Christopher's point, and that is, and I, and I think uh, Stephen hit this too, is expectation. When I say complete art, I don't mean how do you, how do you tell a student that they're, you're going to create them into being James Bond or John Wick. A complete art is not going to create an ultimate warrior who's going to be impervious to any attack that is going to be uh, victorious in every single engagement. What I'm talking about, I guess, and maybe this would be a better term to use, a well-rounded martial artist, one that does not have gar- glaring and gaping holes in their mm. experience that even a simple attack from a different art will throw them completely into a helpless mode and you know I would guess the the best example of this as we saw throughout you know the 80s and 90s were you you watch somebody who has a lot of striking experience getting tackled like a a karate practitioner or a boxer once they're back on their back they're totally helpless and I think that this is something that the UFC wound up Pointing out very, very in a very glaring manner that while these martial artists were were great in their own realms, when you tackled them and put them on their back and took and brought them into the grappling realm, they had nothing. They had no chance whatsoever. And I guess as I see the the evolution going into the future of what martial arts are becoming, I think I personally think highly specialized arts or overly specialized arts are just going to die. They're they're not relevant enough to to have staying power to be popular in the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years. They're eventually going to die out the same way that today, if you want to learn traditional old school Wing Chun, you will find a Jeet Kune Do instructor who says, I do Jeet Kune Do, but I have enough experience in Wing Chun. If that's really what you want to do, I'll show you the subset of Wing Chun skills from within my Jeet Kune Do curriculum. But Jeet Kune Do really took over Wing Chun and sort of edged it out of the market because Wing Chun was stale, like it wasn't growing, and it took an innovator to come along, make that art complete. It was Jeet Kune Do is built around Wing Chun, like that's kind of its foundation. But Bruce Lee brought in a lot of other very innovative uh, material to create kind of a new evolution of an art that was more relevant than the one that was held by tradition into a very limited specialized realm so sorry go ahead Stephen I wanted you to continue
1: yeah on sorry guys uh, I should explain my mother-in-law was rushed into hospital today so, oh I'm uh, sorry to hear that was, it's okay it's a uh, it's uh, my wife just had to get a number off the phone and my phone sure. was locked sorry uh that's so, okay uh, yeah it's actually you've you've found something really interesting because I was I was building some forums the other day and, and I've often thought about this and someone actually said it uh there's now a lot starting to appear where people are accusing, for example, Bruce Lee of being fake, because there's no videos of him. Mm -hmm. And it's, we live in a generation of, show me, show me this works, show Mm -hmm. me in a video that this works, because if it's on a video, it must be real. Mm -hmm. And it it brings us into a very kind of worrying state of mind. You know, it was just something I wanted to bring out there, but uh, yeah, it's that whole kind of, you know, in nowadays world,
0: yeah, and Was the world is video? changing that way. Yeah,
1: Bruce it Lee would be considered is. the fake because there's mm-hmm. no videos of him doing anything other than a couple of things on a few black and white shows, yeah. it's, and it's, it's that's kind of worrying. But you know, but uh, anyway, to get back to Robert's question, um, I would say that it must be you near know, four fifths, maybe eighty percent, of people that come to aikido come to it because it's something they want to do, mm-hmm. and it's something that they've seen, they've always been interested in, and perhaps that's because it's they've done other martial arts and they've not been satisfied with what they've got from it or, and that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with that martial art. It's more to do with the quality of instruction and in that art that they have received. Mm-hmm. And then they have had people come to it because they've wanted to do it their entire life, but it's only like, you know, I've moved to a new place and I've discovered this club. I'd like to come along and try it. And I, t- I tell them to come along and, <clears> you know, <throat> come along, you can watch, you can engage, you can do whatever you want, you can join the class, you know, just see if you like it. Uh, We don't force it on anyone. So I I would reckon, but it's actually pretty higher than in most other arts. Aikido doesn't seem to attract the people that want to be able to defend themselves. But that doesn't mean that the art doesn't need to be able to show effectiveness Mm -hmm. in what it's doing, and that we as Aikido instructors shouldn't be able to teach people I know, you, I know you only came here to learn this, but this is also part of our curriculum. And I think that Aikido can only benefit from having... Uh, I, I don't use the word practical because uh, it used to get bandied a lot, but what I, I used to do was impractical. I tend to call it applied just because I'm bitter. Yeah, that's <laughs> a good word. About it. So I, I like the word applied Aikido. It's the name of my upcoming book when I finally get around to finishing it. And it's... Uh, applying Aikido to what we do and not just in that singular, this is the stuff that's going to protect you on the street, but also applying it, you know, to ourselves and how we approach situations with that level of awareness and everything. And, you know, flexibility and knowledge of our own weak points like both, in fact, all of you have been talking about tonight. So I'd say it's a pretty high percentage, Robert.
3: Yeah, no, and I appreciate your answer um, because I agree with that. That would be what my estimate would be as well. Um, The, need and desire to train specifically for self-awareness, self-preservation, uh, self-defense, it's, it's, not the, it's not the highest likelihood of, of a new student walking in. But one thing that you mentioned, you, you, know, you said if you, you need to be aware of your surrounding, you know, to have a bottle hit you in the back of the head or put yourself in an environment where that's gonna happen. If, if you've never had any knowledge or training about self-awareness, uh, Somewhere, some instructor's gone wrong, but it made me laugh because I do a lot of um, training and, and some instructing in wilderness survival as well. What you know, very, very common thing uh, to talk about is you don't go into grizzly bear territory, you know, sit down and eat a can of tuna and spill some on your clothes and then go to sleep. I mean, you have to, you have to have knowledge of your potential dangers when you're out in an environment. And I think so we've you, all heard you, this: no, no, nothing you, good happens after midnight, right? So I mean, just keeping yeah. yourself out of situations—that's common sense.
1: Yeah, you do do it, but you only do it once.
3: <laughs> you uh-huh. do it
1: once.
2: <laughs> I think that understanding environment uh, comment's a really good one, and and I think that's a lot of the trouble we get into when we're we're looking for. know um, a complete system or a whole system or you know to every beginner they want the best thing and so that's all that's in their mind they don't know anything and they just want to go around and ask what's the best and you need to sit down with them and ask what is it that you want this for right so if you want to be a young competitive person then you know you should go seek a sport martial art if you want um, practical stuff to keep yourself uh, safe on the streets, then that, there's other kinds of things you should study. So I think you need to understand what your environment is. And so when you're trying to look for a martial art, that's a personal journey. It's not a systems journey. So the personal journey yeah. is what does your life look like? And what do you need to protect yourself in your life? A system can only answer its one set of ideas right so boxing is a super limited system and it's a limited system everyone appreciates because you know if you want to learn to hit someone hard and how to defend yourself against someone trying to hit you hard then it's a great system to learn um and that might be a part of your your overall skill set that you need but that's for the individual to make
1: I you know, one of the, the
0: questions and i love how Stephen posed this and it, it gave me this great uh, reference to something i read about years ago that was very enlightening and that is and then your question was, you know, basically when, what does I Aikido attract currently and identify what that is, because then you can solidify what it is that you're attracting in new students. And I think the, the problem is that Aikido is attracting fewer and fewer people. And this, the story that it brought to my mind was from World War II, there was a study done of bombers that returned to England from Germany. And they were all shot up, and there's some engineer decided he was going to do a study on where did the bullets and the and the damage of the plane get hit, like. And w- so, what do we get? What do we? What should we shore up? What should we add armor to to make sure that these planes have a better chance of survival? And so, he studied all the planes that returned and looked at where all the bullet holes were and said, "Okay, well, here's where we put all the armor." What he failed to to address in that was that those were the planes that came back. The ones that didn't were the ones that were hit critically, and so the armor got put in the places that didn't wouldn't help the ones the bombers that got shot down. And so, in problem solving, what is it about Aikido that that is causing the the diminishing attention and the drift towards uh, irrelevance in the basically the eyes of people? What is it that it's not offering that is causing? The diminishing attention, and I think that coming back to the the movie star thing, if we're counting on a movie star to, to to gain popularity for the art, that'll get people in the door initially. But if we can't deliver on the promise, and this is exactly what I think Robert was talking about earlier, we're going to have people come in and go right out, and they're going to go, you know what? I went in there because I was interested, and they suck, and it's not what I wanted. They weren't going to train me to do what what I was interested in doing, and so you know, I left. And I think, therefore, I think relying on a, on a movie star or some kind of a, a big publicity splash, I think getting your own house in order to solidify up and have a good value proposition for an average person. And that's, that kind of comes back to the, you know, we're not creating John Wick or, or James Bond or something like that. We're creating what would a real person who wants to train two, three, four hours a week, maybe to be, confident that if somebody took a swing at them they weren't just going to get annihilated and to have some you know fairly well-rounded set of skills that a real person would would have and can train not to become a sport athlete or a champion fighter or something like that there are better avenues for each of those but i think that's where any civilian martial art whether it's aikido or karate or anything needs to be have a clear proposition and deliver on that promise when they say so if somebody comes to you and says, I, You know, I want to be a student, I want to learn to protect myself, and yeah, yeah, I like Aikido. Uh, it seems to resonate with me, and that's something I've heard from a lot of people. Like the message of Aikido, there's something about it that resonates with me. Many of them can't even explain exactly what it is, but I think that's a tremendous thing that Aikido has that a lot of other martial arts don't have as well. And so, can I
3: ask you guys, each of you guys, um, two questions? I'd, I'd just like to, to hear a quick quick answer real quick so chris chris Stephen, how many aikido dojos do you think there are within a 50 mile radius of you
0: for me chris, maybe about 10
2: oh no oh no there's maybe three okay Steven? I'm
1: trying to think where i am now um probably about 15 i reckon most of them in glasgow
3: okay second question how many judo academies are within a 50-mile radius of you guys?
0: About four.
3: Six.
1: Probably about the same, maybe slightly less, maybe 10, maybe 10. So that,
3: uh, that's interesting. It's different different for me. I, I have trouble, you know, I've lived in, in the United States in a couple of different cities in the southeast. Atlanta had uh, a nice judo academy. Uh, that's Obviously, the Olympics were there in 94, so they had something uh, moving forward. But it's rare um in my neck of the woods Mm -hmm. so it's interesting to hear you guys point of view i actually thought it was going to be a little bit less the point i was going to make if you guys would have played along was that uh you know judo is definitely known to be very effective and there's a lot of discussion that aikido is not but in the areas that i have lived aikido is more popular um as far as dojo placement uh and the judo uh even though you know there are pockets uh, some major cities where it where it is more popular because of Olymp- olympic opportunity judo is actually making its comeback through the brazilian jiu-jitsu community because they see the value in how it aids their game because a takedown is going to give you a high percentage in winning you know if you're in sport uh, but even self-defense the clinch the clinch is a huge part of the gracie system and judo instructors are are coming up in the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu academies, and now they're having actual judo classes. We have it in my academy, um, a lot of judo making its way through there. And I, it's kind of a segue. I'm not necessarily trying to head there, but my thought is, what if there were some great Aikido and you know uh, training trained people that were training in this avenue that were able to show the benefit and aid in this new environment that could steer more popularity to aikido because of its effectiveness not because of the spiritual connectivity i don't know is it kind of a random thought but uh, you guys that play along so don't worry about it
0: no no i i, I like <laughs> the idea of the, the crossover and working with other martial artists um and I, I having hosted friendship seminars with other martial artists for for many years having tried to build those bridges i find that it's tricky it's there are a lot of instructors and, mar- and dojo owners and martial artists that they're, they love their, their art. And that's really all they're, In fact, I found very few and most of them were, were instructor or near instructor level that wanted to branch out a little bit, but even among those, it was not very, um, uh, not very common. Um, by and large, it was, it was a harder bridge to build than I imagined it would, would be, um, And just to address your, your judo thing, my, my judo instructor, when I asked him about it, he told me, and this was probably uh, about two years ago when we just had this discussion was that in the United States, judo is not nearly as popular as it is in Europe and other parts of the world. So there's vast differences of, of the popularity. And, and um, you know, I think, I think all arts benefit from, from crossover and influencing you know, learning from one another, and that's my personal interest. But now that I've been, you know, in the Aikido realm for, four, uh, boy, now sixteen years, uh, I realize I'm kind of a, an oddity more than more than the common factor.
1: Well, it's that's an interesting point because it's I've, I've been asked to hold classes and seminars for other clubs. Not many, in mm-hmm. fact. I think it's I could probably count it in one hand how many times it's happened in my Aikido career, mm-hmm. but I always find that uh, one of the phrases I like to use is that there's only so ways you can bend a body. (laughs) you know, Quite literally, there's only so many ways you can twist a wrist, twist Mm -hmm. a shoulder, lift a hip, move a leg. There's only so many ways. And what happens then is whenever I teach at classes for other clubs, I ask them to show me what they do, then show where what we do in Aikido could be used to help them enhance that i.e. if someone's going in for a clinch or a clutch and they're trying to get round behind for a hip throw, is ways that they can manipulate the body better by dropping their weight into their centre as though they're doing Balkan work and pushing their hips or rotating their hips in a certain way to cause an imbalance in their opponent. And they'll actually look at it and say, why don't we try this? This is the skill we do in Aikido, it's called tai no henka. We can practise on moving that. Let's try it with this and see how it feels, see how it works. And I've always found those to be really successful classes because people then see that we're not trying to dilute the, ah, it's going to sound terrible, it's going to sound very Aryan. We're, we're not trying to dilute the purity of their martial art. We're trying to offer them a different skill set within the, the confines of the art that they enjoy and that they love and to give them other tools that they can then bring to bear. I and think I think that's, that's
0: You've hit uh, on, a, on an important one and that is that that people often view, and I've heard, you know, high, very high level instructors have this very same concern that any outside influence is going to taint the yeah, art, yeah. that it's going to diminish it somehow, when really the goal is to enhance it, is to enhance the practitioner's ability and skill and level of understanding. What do you guys think?
2: When I was a kid, I, uh, I built a, a tricked out car, um, like many kids uh, my age at the time were doing, um, so I got a car, you know, and I changed the springs, and I changed the air intake, and I changed all this stuff on the car, you know, mm-hmm. and and the idea was because I wanted to build this race car, and and every time I, I did something to my car, and this is my daily driver car, you know, every time I did something to my car, I thought, oh man, that, that engineer, I don't know why the engineer designed my car originally, why didn't they put these springs in, because these springs um, are give me way more ability to take corners and stuff, And and I did this for a long time, until eventually I had a car that was a little bit faster and cornered a little bit better, but was way worse on gas and wasn't comfortable anymore. No one wanted to ride with me and it was super loud. And then it wouldn't pass smog inspection the next time the inspection came up. So I ended up with this car because I thought I was a car engineer. Um, this this Frankenstein thing that, that really wasn't any good anymore. And, and I kind of think, you know, not to, to say that like, for me with Aikido, when I started hybridizing Aikido, I, I put a bunch of other stuff in it that I'd learned from mixed martial arts and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And I had learned these other things. And I was like, oh, these things are great. And then I, I started sticking them in my Aikido classes. And then the better I started to understand what I thought Aikido was doing, I started pulling those things out because it was, they're actually confusing to have those other things in And I realized that Aikido was already a well-built car, if you will, right? So it was already a good car. Now, it wasn't the car I wanted. I wanted a sports car, and it was more of a a family, you know, going to the grocery store car. But when I started messing with it, it was a neither car, right? So um, I really think before you change anything to your art and you teach it, as part of that art, or you teach it as something reliable, you need to go through it for yourself and understand why it's answering it for you. And then you need to be able to understand what other people are wanting of that car or that martial arts system. Do they wanna get groceries or do they wanna have gas efficiency or you know what are the things they want? And then choose those things appropriately. But just saying, you know, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is popular, so we need to teach top mount and how to shrimp and um, boxing's popular, so we need to teach a jab and a cross that's the wrong process. And we're going to end up with a Frankenstein instead of a a good usable system. I agree
0: with with the haphazard approach that that's not a good route, but I've had an entirely different experience in the 14 years now that I've not only for myself developed my own art and enhanced my Aikido, but also with my students. Um, And I've mentioned this on a previous podcast, but I spent For a while, I was asking every Aikido practitioner I could find who was above Shodan level or Shodan or above, how many, how long did you train Aikido before you felt at least somewhat comfortable with the idea of somebody getting physical with you? And the lowest number I got was in the eight to 10 year range. Most of it was in the 15, 10 to 15, 12 to 15, somewhere up to even 15 to 20 years. I even had some of them say, I've been doing this more than 20 years and I still don't feel that
3: comfortable with it.
0: What that told me was that it was basically a unicycle with a square wheel. It wasn't a functional car that was good for getting groceries. It was some specialized thing that really wasn't martially relevant. And how I much asked of those, dozens of people about this.
2: How, and, how much of those guys' lives is spent needing to wrestle and box or whatever, whatever it is you, 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 you know, so when you say you get physical, I don't know what, what that means physical. It could be in lots of different things, but... How often are they getting in physical confrontations? And if they're not getting in physical confrontations, then what skill set do they need? And and so you know we've imagined. I guess situations. the
0: answer to that is right. none. Then why train martial arts at all? Great. I mean, and Well, that if you point, want to get in mean, those situations. Then- I guess we're diverting from the point. The point I wanted to make was because I started adding these things into my curriculum. And I didn't do it haphazardly. I didn't just run around going, oh, I like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I like this and that. Just start slapping it together. I did this very deliberately. I trained for you know, over 10 years with mentors in wrestling and pugilism and boxing, pancreation, all these kinds of things. And I saw how closely parallel what Aikido was doing to what they were doing. And as I integrated them, I found that I could get my own students in 6 to 12 months solid confidence with dealing with somebody who decided to get angry and take swings at them, start to try to tackle them, these sort of things. And what I saw in my own students was they were very happy to have that level of confidence, not that they were, you know, spending hours upon hours training and didn't have, you know, felt in total jeopardy. If I said, okay, you go hit, go hit that person, you know, somebody's going to come and hit you. And they're like, Oh, you know, they get scared. They get instead get confident. So, I guess I, I don't view it as the you know the crazy mechanic that's just starting to glue stuff onto his car as much as a how, what makes sense for for somebody protecting themselves and I, to me even though there are other influences similar to you know, Jeet Kune Do having been built on Wing Chun. I still really like Aikido's principle of basically being a standing grappling art. I think that that has got tremendous strength in, in, to it. It's a very solid approach. Just needs so if, some, some help because it's been so, so watered
2: down. So to me, the, the 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 tricky thing is, you know, what then is the litmus for this? You know, so how do we test it? You know, so you're saying that Aikido is a stand-up grappling art. How do you believe your students would do in a stand-up grappling? competition, right? Or like, you know, any Aikido student, I mean, I'll mean, i say, you know, my Aikido students wouldn't do very well in a stand-up grappling tournament, right? They wouldn't get a judo tournament or any kind of Greco-Roman tournament. They wouldn't do very well because they're not skilled at the. Do you think that you're able to give your students in a comparable amount of time the same skill set for stand-up grappling that a stand-up grappling specific art can do?
0: No, but no art can do that.
2: Well, well, there's no right, other art that is you can, is, do you can do take you, and you say,
0: we're going to, we're going to train you for two years to train against a two-year trained wrestler, but it's uh-huh. going to be another art that's got other stuff with it too. That is just, that's impossible.
2: Yeah. So what I'm saying is if you're, if you're going to wrestle a wrestler and they had two years of wrestling versus mm-hmm. two years of my hybridized Aikido for that, I got from a little wrestling I did and I hybridized that with Aikido in two years, the wrestler is going to be a better wrestler than anyone doing a hybridized system. With me.
0: Right. But the expectation that you're going to train to, to defeat a two-year competitive wrestler with with a, a more generalized skill set is a false equivalency. Well, Same, way, same yeah. way to say, I'm going to take a two-year boxer and you're going to face him in two years and I'm going to train you. All you really need to do is train him to face a boxer. For the, right. And for if the he went and trained for two years in boxing, then
1: he, he would have that skill set. Well, this depends on the rules of engagement at this point. Because what we've got to remember here is, are we engaging with wrestling rules or would we be engaging with hybrid rules? Would we be engaging a boxer in a boxing ring on boxing rules or would we be engaging under hybrid rules? Because the wrestler is not going to be expecting a couple of atemi to the face necessarily. Certainly not in British wrestling or a finger to the throat. But the boxer is also not going to be expecting a shoulder lock. So it's it, it and, all and depends I guess- on...
0: From any security point, I, I hate to jump in, but from any security point, if you say I'm looking for security, any good security professional is going to ask you, "Security from what? What is the threat?" Sure, absolutely. If you know you're going into a boxing competition, you know exactly what the threat's going to be. Now, yes, you get an aggressor on on uh, in, in a in a street type situation or a real life situation. You don't know if he's got a wrestling background. You don't know if he's got a boxing background, a karate background, jujitsu background. You don't. You could get any one of them. Now, my thinking is that the training that we do needs to be comprehensive enough that if they do try a wrestling attack, you know how to deal with it. If they do try a boxing attack, you have an idea of how to deal with that. Same way that or just they're a street fighter and they just take wild swings like we see a lot of. So that, all,
3: that all comes down to, which I, I think is a is a, probably one of your major talking points you have. And it's usually on any Aikido discussion, thread, podcast, whatever. And it's the the way you train, not not the art, right? So Aikido as it is, Daituru as it is, uh, judo as it is, that the arts, the art is the art because there are techniques in it. Obviously the principles that underlie it, I do think crossover between anything that's grappling, whether it's, you know, mm-hmm. Indian or you know, Russian or Japanese or whatever, the underlying principles are there. Some people pay more attention to them, to Stephen's point. You can you can help a judoka or brazilian jiu-jitsu person with a technique by using principle you know an aiki type principle Mm -hmm. that they may have never uh, trained whatever they've never trained that before so they didn't have a chance to see from a different perspective Mm -hmm. it's all it's all jiu-jitsu i say this i get in trouble a lot it's it's all jiu-jitsu i don't care if it's aikido um, or sambo it's all jiu-jitsu one art has specific techniques that when you categorize it becomes Aikido, another one, Judo, Kodokan Judo, um, but they're so similar they cross over. But I think I think the main topic when it comes to Aikido and its effectiveness is not being more well-rounded to to uh, be defensive driving. I mean, if Aikido as Aikido, a set of techniques, how can it be viewed more realistic? And from my outsider opinion, you know, when I was teaching Judo this last Thursday. And, you know, the, some, of the, some of the ladies that are in their training, uh, you know, particularly had, had somewhat of an issue trying to throw. They kept falling down. I said, you know, the thing about Judo, the techniques themselves are not hard. Judo is not difficult. What's difficult is learning how to throw somebody without losing your own balance. OK, so that's that's the key. When you can figure that out, you're you are a step above the rest of the population. Right. You've figured out how to let your body relax and be in the right position under duress. My issue with the Aikido that I've been part of training is that you don't have that what if scenario. The instructors, the people that I've trained with it, they can flow, everything's beautiful. Why is it passed down generation to generation to not allow someone to give a little buffer of resistance to see, I mean, heck, the the instructor's balance may be poor when you decide not to fall on purpose. And I know that's not consistent everywhere, but that, that's, you know, we're talking about several different pieces. I really like all the analogies, but when we boil it back down to Aikido, for example, or even Chi, which is a lot, you know, very strict in its ways. I'm kind of the black sheep in that family. But um, yeah, the art is the art. Practicing the art is effective, a technique to get someone off their balance, to be teeter-tottering on their heels, and then you can throw them at will. That's a valid technique. If you've never tried that with somebody offering you resistance, therein lies the problem. And I think that's what y'all are trying to solve in the Aikido world is, um, you know, how to make a technique actually be efficient for someone that's just starting to train. Because a wrestler, they're going to train a double leg takedown. And if if it's poor, they're not going to take down their opponent. And they train that until they feel confident because it's a true grappling, two physical bodies interacting. Aikido is no different why i don't know why that gap exists but i think all of you are are ultimately working on how to make that pressure that feel part of your students learning so they are more equipped without necessarily changing the art is, is that a fair assumption
0: yeah, I'd yeah say nice. that's, that's right yeah. yeah i mean the yeah. idea that your art crumbles when the opponent or the attacker kind of goes a bit more live and they're they're actually trying to overcome you i think is is an issue and that's mm-hmm. You know, it's one thing to do uh, well choreographed partner movement work versus somebody who's actively trying to overcome you.
1: Yeah, I, I actually put a vlog out about this two weeks ago, uh, and it's just on the basis of that in Aikido, there's this huge misperception, and it's taken on board because it's it's easier and it's safer. And we have to have also put out that we're not wanting people to get hurt in training. Okay, but so we're not talking about resistance and things, but in Aikido. We have the terms nage or tori, the one doing the throw, and uke, the one who takes the throw. That's how it's often perceived. Uke means to receive. Yeah, So you're Mm -hmm. the person who receives the throw. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you blindly take it. You blindly have to just receive it. It also means that you don't have to be a bit of an asshat and resist it right down to the ground. You, Mm -hmm. you, you, You know, but... It's important that we as Aikidoka learn to be a good uke. Now a good uke, the one who receives the technique, that does not mean that you have to jump when you're told to jump, flip when you're told to flip and to just go with it and crumple. And I think for me, that's the worst sort of a uke, the worst sort of partner you can possibly have because you do not learn anything. They do not experience the technique. They do not feel the threat of the technique there's nothing worse than having someone apply kota and then you feel that technique and you go with it and it works well when it doesn't work they go to apply kota on your wrist to turn your wrist and your partner's flipped out of it already before they even feel anything now that that's for me that's ridiculously foolish because one what if the technique changes midway what if the person doing the throw falls and they fail to let go of your wrist and your wrist gets damaged as a result of that. And two, and three, sorry, you are not learning to receive the technique. You're learning to get in front of the technique, stay in front of the technique and get up off the ground in a very beautiful fashion. Mm -hmm. But that's not teaching you anything. And it's not teaching your partner anything. It's not teaching them how to apply the technique. And especially it's not teaching them to respect the technique because when you apply Kota and you feel someone's wrist maybe crack or crumble or or grind, it gives you a fright and you realize I put that on too hard or I perhaps didn't allow them to catch up the technique and we didn't work in a partnership there. I was too rushed, so why was I too rushed? And it doesn't give you the chance to reflect on your technique and it doesn't give your partner the chance as okay to understand the danger within this technique. And for me, that's a really big thing. There are a lot of people out there who think that Uki's job is just to take a throw and get up and not give any feedback. I always always encourage everyone I train with, if I'm doing this and it's not taking your movement, please don't run about me like a carousel. Mm -hmm. You know, stop and give me a slap in the face or slap my arm or just stop and stare at me with extreme dissatisfaction and make me feel embarrassed because that's exactly what's going to happen. You have to learn to be a good Uke, and that's something particularly that I feel quite strongly about because there's not enough good instruction out there telling people how to achieve this.
0: If I could add, just one, one my observation too about being a good Uke, and you're totally on point with, with that, and what I've found too is that a good Uke will also make sure that if Nage is starting to rest in their comfort zone, that they bump up the variables or bump up the intensity enough to make sure that they that nage is being challenged because Mm -hmm. i do i do feel that that a a great deal of modern aikido practitioners tend to be they like to just rest in their comfort zone and they go through the choreography and it's it's cool and and it is fun to do i'll I'll be first Mm -hmm. to admit that but to me good training does need to take you a little bit into your discomfort zone like it it needs to, to challenge you a little bit and of course, for beginners, it's not going to take much to to challenge them. Just even figuring out where their feet should be is going to be a challenge. But as you get more and more comfortable with doing things correctly, there needs to be that additional challenge, and uh, that's a factor in in going beyond just learning the AB AB. What do you call it? The ABCs uh, Aikido, or the the paint by numbers? That's the other one. The paint, the paint by numbers. By numbers oh, yeah. 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 Thoughts. Anyone?
2: I mean, I think this is another one of the problems we have in, in Aikido is we don't have a regular live training practice. And I think a lot of what um, Stephen's bringing up can can be addressed if you have a live training practice. And, sure. and and I agree with you that like training good uke's and understanding the role of uke is really important, but um, I think you'll get that honest feedback much more truly from a live training practice. And so I think that is one of the problems in Aikido is we don't have
1: a live training across the board for Aikido school totally you agree mean, live absolutely
2: training?
1: christopher when you say, what do you mean when you say life training i mean something that's not uh, choreographed it's not ah, scripted right. yeah um mm-hmm.
0: yeah mm-hmm. i find that like a giowaza, taking paired kata and actually having uke be a bit more challenging bridges then into giowaza, which then bridges into randori um and i've started doing kind of like uh, similar i would think with, from what i've seen of your videos i do like a one person randori where I just say, all right, okay, get them. However you want to try to attack and get students used to that level. Cause that's going to be closer to what an actual attacker is going to do. You, you don't know what's going to be coming and they can use feints and misdirections and try to trick you into, you know, setting up whatever it is they're going to do uh, whether it's a punch or takedown or, or kick or what have you. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I do totally agree with you that the, that live training is, is a part of it. I think some people who have never experienced it think that live training just means it's absolute hundred percent intensity go time. (laughs) And I, and I think that's a common misconception. You know, they don't do that with boxers. They don't do that with wrestlers and train them as to here, here's a wrestler, just go a hundred percent. They, they train them into how to get to that point. And I think that that's, something that the aikido you know, when, world could definitely improve on
3: when i was running the um the study group for daitaru which I, I don't actively teach daitaru anymore unless it's private lesson here and there but um you know i it, it's more ritualized kata you know mm-hmm. practice katageko than aikido right i mean we it's literally you're, you're working through the form it hurts you know my goodness it hurts but it's very stoic mm-hmm. um and and, ritualized you mean yeah ritualized but but you know you're learning the techniques right right but as i broke away from i i know that that's not enough so you know i I used to teach on monday and wednesday nights monday night was strict eye to root right we would come in with you know whatever the attacks were we were learning wednesday night i would open the floor with we're going to revisit what we practiced on monday but and i I called it the what if night you Mm. know what if you know from this shuman strike and i'm trying this you know, Ipandori technique, what if Uke pulls her arm back because I wasn't quick enough, you know, where do we go from there? And then we would fall into a position that would, it would either fall directly into another dietary technique or, you know, a Sotogari would happen to show up. But I think that wasn't just going live full board training. It was just saying, well, what happens if, and a lot of times I know there's classes where a student, you know, everybody has a student that says, well, what if, hey, go to the corner. We'll talk about that later. I think we should encourage more of the what if. A what if is a great question. Mm-hmm. What if that happens? This is where it would end up. What would we do from here? And to have that open discussion, I mean, that's constant learning, right? I mean, that's definitely how you can take several notches up in understanding the true body position of what would happen if somebody resisted. Mm-hmm. And to Chris, Chris's point, without that, sort of live training and it doesn't have to be everyone's leave, leaving with a broken nose or broken arm it's just more physical allow your opponent to move how they naturally feel that they would move and there's a lot of understanding that comes from that i'd love to see that in in traditional aikido schools yeah,
0: definitely and, and, and i found it's fun to play with too like students enjoy that engagement part it's mm-hmm. not scary it's just invigorating
1: yeah, absolutely. It's uh, we we like to do some randori and tanning judori, whatever you want to have involved in it. And but do you not often find that when it comes down to it, like almost all martial arts, about ninety percent of what happens is just tai sabaki. It's just body movement, and that's where the skills in aikido can come into it very very strongly. If you have two people or three people, two against one that really kind of puts a little bit more pressure on uh, the recipient of all this is that when you have two attackers versus one and you're asking them to maintain safe distance and to try and gain control over the situation and you permit things like, you know, leg takedowns, grappling, wrestling, taking to the ground, and when you establish a rule such as as soon as you hit the ground, it's over, or as soon as they've got you immobilized, it's over, most of what you get is Tai Sabaki and just basic turning, basic body movement, keeping everyone at distance until someone makes a mistake. And that's one of the things that, that I like to employ because what it teaches the students is that in any situation, whether we're practicing, you know, lightly or we're doing something, I'll, I'll try and adopt your own phraseology here, but when we're doing something more live training, is that just like in a genuine situation, where something's about to kick off, there's a whole load of body positioning and body posturing going on before anything really normally happens. So it's important that we learn to engage with our environment. And what I tell them, and it brings across an important lesson here, is that I always take it down to five things. When you're engaging with people or or a situation, there's, for me, five fundamental factors that you have to take on board. The time, the place, The persons, the environment, and the rules of the of the combat itself—is it weapons or hands or whatever? If you can't control at least four of them, you're going to lose this fight. In a genuine situation, and that's why I bring it in is to try and show them just how difficult that kind of situation can be. But we love it; we we absolutely love it. And don't get me wrong—nine times out of ten, I'm lying flat on my backside, staring up at the ceiling, wondering. You know, not about the two that I was watching, but the third one that snuck up behind me and took me down, it, it <laughs> awareness training. you know, it, it teaches you some good lessons. Mm-hmm.
0: Excellent. Well, I, I know I'm really loving this discussion, guys. I know we're coming up on 90 minutes, so I think we'll probably start to wrap this one up. Uh, I'd certainly give it to each of you to, to kind of add in anything that you wanted to mention that you did not so far or, or to add up a kind of a wrap-up point. Um, and then we'll we'll end the show. But uh, this has so far been great. I really think this is a nourishing discussion, uh, and I've loved what the, everybody's points that have brought, been brought up. So, um, who'd like to go first and kind of bring us home, Robert? How about you?
3: I was going to say, <laughs> Chris. <laughs> no, this is good, and, and I appreciate you you um, you know adding me here. I do have a different background that crosses over so similar obviously that's it's the root of Aikido as we know but uh, being being a guest is not the same as coming up through the ranks and instructing Aikido as you guys have so here in your perspective um you know it makes me appreciate the art more I do see the crisis uh, as it exists in some scenarios but you guys because I've watched all you know several or all, not all of your videos but each of you have watched some of your videos and um you know, I think I think it might be anti-establishment, but it's still the art. You're still passionate about the art and you've identified ways to help your community uh, be stronger because of Aikido. So I, I definitely appreciate that. And, and I wanna thank you again for letting me come on the show.
0: Yeah, thank you, Robert. It's been great having you. So I, I love our chats. Uh, Christopher, how about you?
2: Um, I think, you know, for, for uh, Aikido keeping its relevancy, I think we need to understand what is unique about Aikido, what's different about Aikido than than something else. Because to me, if you think that um, all that there is to the world of martial arts is is basic boxing skills and wrestling skills and maybe, you know, a couple weapons things or something like that, um, then that's already really summed up, you know, take a firearms class and go take an MMA class. And so if we as Aikido practitioners think that's what we're offering, then uh, I think we're going to become irrelevant because we can't do those things as well as other things can do. So I think we need to ask internally, what is unique about Aikido? And and I personally don't think it's twisting a wrist. I don't think that's the big difference in Aikido. Um, And so once we understand that, we will become uh, relevant by the nature of, we understand what niche we fit. And, And there are a lot of niches in the martial arts. You know, it's not just, you know what's popular right now there's a lot of other niches and once we fit that niche we, we won't be able to be replaced because that's just what we naturally do
0: that's a good point very good point excellent Stephen.
1: yeah uh, that's actually a couple of great points guys and it's um it hits home just the, the the final message that i was wanting to bring here is that it's Aikido is a unique and very life-changing martial art a lot of the individuals who come to train in Aikido, as we've discussed already, they're not necessarily looking to be the best fighters or the most accomplished at doing what they do. But very often, a lot of people come to Aikido because they're looking for something in life. And Aikido is not, doesn't just function as a physical martial art. It's important we have it as that, but we also have to acknowledge the mental, the social, the psychological and the spiritual aspects of Aikido that can be adapted, particularly the mental in psychological aspects. And in the world we live in nowadays, post-Covid, whenever this is all going to sort itself out, we live in a world that has become distanced, that has become lessened as a result of the, the things that are happening round about, as we've all become isolated. And for the world to come together as a community, Aikido serves as one of the best platforms for that because it allows people of all ages, all genders, all Attitudes to come together and train in an art that is not just life affirming, but also teaches skills that we can apply to both real and you know real physical situations as well as situations that we have around us in the world, I would not be in the same mental and physical. Well, I'll leave the physical out because I'm, I'm getting a bit knackered, but I, I wouldn't be been the same mental and so, psychological and social position that I am today had I not studied Aikido and it's been nothing but a benefit to me because it is a martial art that allows people to better themselves and, and I think that just like Christopher was saying there is one of the things that would be the best thing to monopolize on Aikido but at the same time I still want to see it develop and become effective in terms of the skills that we as instructors bring to others. And that's the key part. I would like to see Aikido instructors embracing all aspects of the art, not just the one that they think is going to bring them the best results. And in doing so, everyone that comes to us in this world that needs an art like Aikido to bring us all back together under a good sense of community, that would be an amazing thing to achieve.
0: Uh, that would be amazing. I, I would be totally on board. And I, and I do think there's that potential. We we are at a, a great opportunity right now. And what I wanted to add in just as a, as an end point for this is just taking the thousand foot view, you know, it's easy to, for us to get lost in the details of Aikido. But as you back up, I think martial arts in terms of they were very different in the 50s and 60s than they were in the 70s and 80s. And they were yet again different in the 90s and early 2000s. Where the, the overall public perception is, is shifting, is changing. Uh, the, the access to information and knowledge, like Christopher pointed out, is changing. People have, have, there's more transparency about what's going on within martial arts. I think that's a bad thing for people that are, that are teaching nonsense, that's gonna threaten them. But it's a good thing for the art itself to purge itself of the, of the dis ease and the problems because the ones that, that are shown the light of day, it's like a disinfectant. And as we look going into the new age of in the 20s and when this, uh, the, the lockdowns thing comes to an end, you're, I think we're gonna have people wanting to get active again, stepping. It's, it's a great time to address the image. And, and, and I wanted to end on my last note with, thank you all for, for participating in this discussion. I think this, almost, this hits right on what Steven was talking about of, It is education through podcasts and shows and and conversations like this that are going to be helpful for people to think, you know, they might be listening to this, and go, well, how can I do what these guys are talking about? Or, you know, any good ideas we can share that will inspire people in their own dojos or with their own training, or even that want to get into martial arts training, what they should be looking for is going to be a good thing. And that transparency and the sharing of these ideas is that's how we plant the seed in the mind that lets it grow later. I mean, that's what we as instructors do, right? Is we plant the seeds in our students and let them germinate and, and grow. So I, this has been a fantastic discussion. Uh, thank you very much, guys. I, uh, I'd love to just spend all afternoon talking with you guys. This has been a lot of fun. Well,
3: thank you, Tristan. Thanks, Stephen. and Chris.
1: Yep, thank you very much. Yep, yep Steph- thank you guys. It's been a
3: pleasure.
0: Thank you very much. I look forward to chatting again. So take care and we'll see you all soon. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this discussion. Stay tuned for more episodes. I've got some great stuff on the way very soon. In the meantime, enjoy your
3: training.